How's it going? I went back to the original one. Yeah, that's okay. The last okay. week was its own ordeal. So <laughs> that hello was fine. <laughs> you know, I just, I got to try to keep it interesting when yeah, I can. Of course. Um, how was your week? Yep, exactly like, how my I, I don't really. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I was like trying to think back. I'm like, other than just sassy spastic like friday i was i don't know on what like i was super spastic like you were a couple weeks ago uh-huh. like yeah. just all over the place for no reason just you know high on life i guess um but yeah work fucking work man some days i just i can't yeah like there's no even or odd to that one it's just can't yeah yeah so i think that's how the week started out and then it kind of got better but overall just a week a week yeah yeah um well um yeah yours uh well i'm down to one job okay (laughs) (laughs) welcome back to the singular workforce the singular job yes uh that was quite interesting uh but we talked about that i was just gonna let our listeners know so so that they are aware that that job did not work out we were not a good fit i thought that they were my people I judged the cover of the book before I read it and uh lesson learned. And uh but the good news is I have this whole new appreciation for my job, oh, that nice. my original job. So, uh lesson learned. Um I am still probably going to try to get another second job. I'm going to do a lot more research kind of take it like I do podcast topic and yeah. like I did with this topic I actually did some research nice. spent some time on it got okay. in okay. the nitty gritties um and uh yeah whole new appreciation for my original job and I feel like my elevator is working perfectly now I mean I feel like it's going all the way to the top all the way to the fifth floor up. yeah <laughs> We got the dings, the bells, the whistles. Everything's working. Awesome. Feel pretty good. Saturday, we went to uh, Louisiana to go see my sister. Nice. Her uh, her man made his first brisket in his new pellet grill, and it was a solid A minus just because it was his first one. But it had flavor. It was juicy. There were a few um, slices that he cut a little thick. And it could use some sauce, but it still was really flavorful. And so um, I was really proud of him. So I wanted to give Landon a shout out. Congratulations on his first brisket. Very, uh, He was so nervous, according to my sister. So nervous. Now, Kent, like, what the fuck is a pellet grill? So a pellet grill essentially feeds itself. So you don't have to. The only thing you have to do is put pellets in it and you can actually set the temperature to whatever you want it to be and then just leave it. You can leave it all day and it'll keep it that same temperature by feeding itself the pellets to keep it that temperature. It's a very, very expensive, but very nice grill smoker type thing. What are the pellets made out of? I uh, I didn't look that deep into it. Do you only have to buy pellets once? 
No, no, I'm sure you have to buy pellets like you do charcoal, but I don't, I don't know how long, I know that the pellets last longer. Yeah. I just don't know how much longer. I'm going to have so. to look into this. I'm very intrigued. Yeah. It's, it's a badass grill. Like Eric has wanted one for a long, for a while. And uh, when I become rich and famous, then he can have one because <laughs> we just can't afford it. So yes. either that or I'd have to, you know, take out a loan to get it. But at some point I'll, I will get him a pellet grill. It's just, they're, they're very fancy, very expensive. There's a time and a place and this is not the yes. time or place or right the now. place. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking I might put that as like my five year plan. Yeah. <laughs> Start saving now. Might have enough. Now. Hopefully in five years we can get it, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, it is, it's a, it's a pretty good grill, but I, I'm really tickled for him because I know he was really worried about it and it turned out amazing. Fabulous. So, and I got to play with my baby niece. Nice. <sighs> Who was all cheeks. All cheeks. She oh my goodness. Cheeks. And her <laughs> eyes, she, she's just going to break hearts by looking at people. Her eyes are so bright and she's got those long my sister's long dark eyelashes that everybody thinks she has fake eyelashes yep like she's never gonna have to wear the eye shit because it's just gonna be pow like just pop I, I'm so jealous of her eyes but <laughs> she's such so she's so smart ah oh, it's great it's great I love all of my nieces and nephews and I got to see one so I'm gonna brag on her for a little bit Anyways, and those eyelashes. Mm-hmm. Just bats her eyes, and she <laughs> mean mugs. Oh my god, she mean mugs everybody. Like Eric, she was not sure about him, and I think it's the beard. All babies aren't sure about the beard, and then once they like kind of warm up to him, he's yeah. the favorite. Like that's just how it is. But man, she was mean mugging him so hard. <laughs> he's like, it's cool, it's cool. So she was probably thinking the whole time, like, what is wrong? What the fuck is wrong with that face? Like something is missing on that face. I just know it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, why does your face look different? Yes. It's different than everybody else's. <laughs> but that's cute. Yep. Aww. It was definitely worth the day trip. Oh, we use. OK, so my sister and her boyfriend work at AT&T. This is kind of a little fun thing. So we constantly have the iPhone versus the Google Pixel. Your sister and her boyfriend or her husband? Uh, I mean, technically, they're not married, but they live together for like okay, eight okay, years. Okay. So, like yeah. this whole time? Like, oh, okay. I forget. <laughs> we can say husband. That's fine. That's what I um, thought you said originally. And then you said boyfriend. And I was like, wait, what? Don't, like, did I miss something? Which yeah, sister are we talking about? Technically, <laughs> they're not married, but they are. Yes, so. but they are. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyways, we've got the iPhone versus the Google Pixel war going on. Well, Eric's work gave him an iPhone so he can have a work phone and like we're completely lost. It's like foreign. It's so weird. So we went to uh, we used the iPhone for directions Mm -hmm. to her house and, you know, the directions very politely gave us a redirect because there was some kind of traffic on the highway and it was going to save us 12 minutes. And we're like, well, yeah, let's save 12 minutes. Yeah. I didn't know that Louisiana had a mini Compton 
and we went right through it. Like this whole mile of road was nothing but um, like salvage yards. I'm pretty sure there were two or three drug deals going on on the side of the road. There were more tires on the side of the road and trash than I had ever seen anywhere before in my life. And of course, it is the one time that Eric and I both left the guns that we usually carry everywhere with us at home on our nightstands. The only thing we had was our questionable, you know, little 380 in the glove box that you'll get one shot off, but the second one's probably going to jam. So you've got to make the first one count. Yes. (laughs) So we had our dodgy gun in the car and I was like, well, just don't stop. Just keep on going. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, uh, oof. And you saved 12 minutes, done. I'm not really sure that we saved 12 minutes. I'm pretty sure we saved a lot more than that because we went pretty fast down that road. (laughs) You saved 25 minutes. (laughs) We were like, I was like, just don't make eye, you know what? Don't make eye contact, just. Look at the hood of your car, babe. (laughs) Yeah, it was was quite quite the road trip. I was like, only you. Only you would do this. And then we had a really nice Waffle House on one side when we finally, like, turned the bend and we we were in a, like, downtown area instead of the industrial area. So on one side, you had this really nice Waffle House. And then on the other side, you had this broken down McDonald's that's missing half the (laughs) Nice. I was like, okay, okay, well, can we please get back on the interstate? Because I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, uh, so, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. It was good. It was good. Well, fair warning, there are many places like that in Louisiana. Oh, I'm sure. I was going to say I'm New sure. Orleans, but let's be real here. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm sure that there are many places like that everywhere, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was a an experience. Yes. Yeah. It was almost like it was darker down that road. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it was really bright on the highway. We turned and it got really dark. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of like, isn't this how like scary movies start? Yes. I'm sure that this is how how scary movies start. So <sighs> So needless to say, we will not be forgetting our guns anytime soon mm, when we yes. go anywhere. Well that's good. Yeah. It's all about protection. Yeah. I mean, to each their own. I know some people, they don't like carrying guns, and that's fine. You know, but um, I am definitely a a Second Amendment believer and locked and loaded at all times. Uh, I think that's all I got. Um, The only other things I have is we got a Sam's Club membership today for $8 for the whole year. Because wow. my husband was doing some Googling and found some Super Bowl special. Very cool. And we got it one $8 day before it for expired. the whole year? Yep. Hell uh, yeah. So we spent an hour and a half, almost two hours, walking every aisle of Sam's Club today. Yeah. I mean, we, they got some good shit in there. We went there for the two-pack of parchment paper and walked mm-hmm. out with almost $300 worth of stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. I was like, oh. And okay. whatever you got, you're not going to need for the next six months. You actually saved money. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's what I told my husband. <laughs> I was like, I know we spent a lot, but like, we're not going to have to do this again for a while. Yeah. Yes. Um, as we were walking in, this woman was walking out and she had two huge things of toilet paper. Mm-hmm. And my husband, not quiet, says, oh, my God, miss, do you have the shits? I fucking lost it. <laughs> she didn't understand him. Like, she didn't even know he was talking to her, like, which made it even funnier. <laughs> I was like, really? Really, Damien? And he goes, man, I was not quiet about that at all. I was like, no, no, you weren't. But she didn't even know. He's like, nah. These fucking people don't understand me anyway. I could insult their mothers and they would never know it. And I was like, you are correct. <laughs> she had to rush home to the toilet. She yes. did have the shit. Yes. She needed two huge packs of toilet paper. But she won't have to buy toilet paper for a year for sure. Like, fuck. Yeah. And then uh, we bought some like Clorox tabs for our toilet bowls. Uh-huh. And I realized as I was cleaning the toilets... That instead of using like a rag or paper towel, to just use toilet paper. Like I know that's probably a sin in some people's minds, but it catches all the hair and the dust. You know how like you try to use a rag and you just move hair Uh and dust around? Yeah, Yeah. I was just like, fuck this. Even paper towels sometimes don't catch all the hair. So I was just like, I'm going to try a little ball of toilet paper. Girl, I don't think my toilets have ever been cleaner. Wow. And then you can just flush it. That's nice. That's amazing. Right? So you can buy cheap toilet paper to clean your toilets with. Yeah. Or just go to Sam's and buy the big. (laughs) No, no. No, honey. Don't have the shits. I just want to clean the toilets nice. But yeah, like I was like, oh, life hack. You use toilet paper to clean your toilets. The irony. Well, that's awesome. But yeah. We'll We'll have to try that next time. I've, yeah, I have not had our toilets this dust-free in since we moved in almost two years ago. Good for you. So Very you nice. Cleaning hack 1010. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love yeah, it. I was going to say 101, but yeah, not really. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. Excellent. Well, welcome to the Sam's Club side team, whatever club club yeah like i hop on and off of it every once in a while but for the longest time i was just like it's just two of us what do we need bulk for but it lasts forever yeah we laugh about the toilet paper but that's what we do eric and i go to sam's buy toilet paper because we have a closet that we just stick the big thing under and it literally lasts us like six months maybe seven yeah. If we have company over, it might be like five months. But I mean, we don't ever have to buy toilet paper. And yeah. we also do the big thing of paper towels. Yep. Because we can store those. And the waters, we get our waters from there too because they're like $3 for a freaking 30-pack of oh. waters, 45 or something. Yeah, so 45 We got two of those today for like 4 mm. bucks. Yeah. I mean, just – it's and it – Lasts forever and water never goes bad. Yeah. So I mean, you're just like, why not? It's great. Zombies are a thing. You're prepared with toilet paper and water. Bam! That and your life is golden. Golden. You sell that shit. Like there's Make a pun a in there, but we're not gonna 
We're not going to. <laughs> I didn't even think about a pun, but okay. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> there's, there's a little bit of a pun in there. That's pretty good. Uh, so, well, all right. I think that's it. I can't remember my week, so. Yeah. It was crazy till I lost my job. <laughs> and then it was great. I just, I don't, I don't understand. Well, at least it wasn't your primary boss. It was like her boss's boss. My boss's boss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is what it is. I know what they lost. Yeah. Jerks. So. They're going to realize it soon too, I'm sure. Well, I wish them nothing but the best, but you know. It's all good. Uh, I don't know who's supposed to go first. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think you went first like the last, last time. Okay. I think. Because okay. sure. last so, last week's was just us rambling. Yeah. About nothing. Like literally nothing. <laughs> it was it was it was a nothing nothing podcast. We just gave our <laughs> listeners something to listen to. Because it's just white noise, we guys. Not prepared at all. But that's okay. That's okay. All right. So you're going first. Okay. I like it. Well, today, today, uh, it's like you you never left New Orleans because that's where we're going today. <gasps> Woohoo! This I topic, I'm in a fucking rabbit hole. I have, I wanted to talk about all the things that I found, but then I was like, this will be a three hour podcast. So I just picked one. Oh, well, you can do the next one next podcast. Yeah, maybe. There you go. We'll, we'll see. I'll probably forget by then, but. Yeah, that works. So, New Orleans, yep, beautiful. We're going to talk about voodoo. Voodoo? You do voodoo. <sighs> but we're going to talk about the voodoo so queen. Excited. So we're not getting <gasps> into, like, nitty-gritties of voodoo, voodoo. Okay, okay. We're just going to talk about the voodoo queen of New Orleans. From okay. her time of birth, 1794, and that's estimated... Like, they're not really sure because her birth was never recorded. Oh, wow. And then 1881. So she died in 1881 at almost 80. Get it, girl. Yep, yep, yep. yep. All right, so we're going to talk about Marie Laveau. And it's French, so it's spelled with the E-A-U. That's insane. We're in New Orleans, so Mm -hmm. E-A-U is an O. Okay, okay. As uh, long as it's not German. I don't want you no, to. <laughs> no, it's French. <laughs> I've learned all kinds of words today. Um, so she was considered a Louisiana Creole just based on the fact that she was the first born free in her family. So her mother was a like a slave, but she became a free woman in New Orleans and married a very rich white uh, man. Okay. I have that detail here in a minute, but we'll get we'll get back to that. Uh, okay. She held the title Voodoo Queen of New Orleans for about three decades. Dang. But her practice was kind of a mix of various 
religious things. So she was primarily Catholic, but she picked Mm -hmm. up tips and tricks from former slaves and people that she helped in prisons and stuff. And then it was mixed in with Indian and uh, Acadian people. So it's like a mix of all different cultures and religions, which is actually what makes up New Orleans' voodoo anyway. Yeah. Like it's a basis of various religions. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty interesting. And then I also learned that the first white settlers of Louisiana were French, which most of us knew, the whole, you know, Louisiana Purchase. Uh, Most of them, though, were the second-born sons of aristocrats, and they left France probably because they got tired of being the second, you know. They're not the first. They're not going to get riches and glory, so might as well move on. Mm -hmm. Um, And these are the Frenchmen that became known as Creole. So that's where that word comes from, is from the French aristocrats that moved there during the first white settler period. Very cool. Um, After a little while, the word was then spread amongst all people in New Orleans, um, including those of color. And don't shoot me, I'm just reading from womenshistoryblog.com. All right. It is what it is. So... The story of Marie Laveau is kind of a, like a mix of fact and like mystery and lore. Uh, people, mm-hmm. of course, made her voodoo practices seem like this mysterious, uh, almost satanic, occultish type practice. But in reality, a of lot course. of what she did was more along the Catholicism type practices. So she offered... Okay. You know, blessings, she used holy water, she had, you know, statues of saints and Mary and the, G- you know, Jesus statues in her home. Um, she had, like, altars made for her Catholicism, so with candles to honor the dead and all that. Um, but it was the white man in New Orleans that made voodoo seem like this scary thing. Yeah, bad um, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing about New Orleans voodoo is it's the only Afro-Catholic religion to emerge in North America. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, so this voodoo was born of the influence of not only the African nations, but it was intertwined with the colonies that had already been within. And it was also kind of a mix of other African slave-owning countries. So that included... Uh, Domingue, Cuba, Brazil, and then Louisiana. It said that the Haitian Revolution in 1791 had the most significant uh, influence over the creation of the New Orleans voodoo. And the stories that were told of that revolution is what also spread the fear amongst the white population because the, the revolution was so brutal. And they did a voodoo ceremony where they sacrificed a pig and uh, they used the blood oath to overthrow the French. So, of course, you're instantly going to think satanic. Oh, my yeah. God. They used the blood of the mm-hmm. devil. Yeah, to take back their fucking thing. Basically, all it was is the slaves rebelled in Haiti, set fire to all the plantations. And, of course, people were getting trapped in their mansions and plantation mm-hmm. houses and dying. Yeah. Um, I also learned it's spelled gris gris, like G-R-I-S. Dash D R I S, but it's pronounced Gree Gree. 
So basically what it is, is just a bag of herbs and magical substances or blessed substances. And the people of like the African descent carry them around. And the intention of them is used to like as for protection or good luck. Some people mm -hmm. also will use them for more malicious as in taking over somebody. So kind of like using a voodoo doll, but more just a bag oh. of herbs. And, yeah. And this comes from Africa. Like they used to call them Grigris bags. But I guess it changed a little bit when it took on in New Orleans. Again, this brought on a lot of discontent with slave owners because they believed that these bags were what was causing, you know, discord and bad crops and rebellions and slaves uh -huh. misbehaving. So they actually tried to outlaw some of the voodoo practices throughout time because of I'm sure it didn't go over well when we fought the Civil War either. Yeah. So it's, it does say here, like, uh, the making and carrying of Grigory bags was the hugest part of the voodoo practice. But they try to compare it to Catholicisms and how Catholics uh, use statues, candles, and pendants of saints. In voodoo, you also pray to lesser deities. You commune with the Loa. And you can also place offerings at altars. These are just common practices. but. You don't have to do that. Like, you don't have to go super yeah. deep into altars and all that. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. And it's also, the reason I found that kind of cool is because in World of Warcraft, the game I play, uh, the troll cultures, mm -hmm. they they practice voodoo. Oh. And they they have loas. Cool. So I thought that was really cool. I was like, oh, maybe this is, you know, where they got the idea. Because they do kind of yeah. sound... Well, they sound Jamaican, but but yeah, they definitely they have different loas that they pray to. Some of the bosses that you fight are actually spirit loas. So I was huh. like, huh, that's cool. <laughs> that is cool. Um, so for Marie Laveau, uh, she is buried in the St. Louis Cemetery number one, which is like the hugest cemetery in Louisiana. It's that weird one above ground, like they have the mm -hmm. what do they call them coffin. Ovens, coffin. I'm sure they called them ovens. The big, the big uh, wall thing, right? Yeah, yep. It's one of three major above-ground cemeteries in New Orleans. Yeah, because New Orleans is built under sea level, and yep. the bodies in the boxes kept rising. <laughs> yeah, like, could you imagine that? Tough. <laughs> um, so she is buried there today. I'll get into some of the things that people do to honor her at her grave. Or did do. Now it's kind of closed down to private tours only. But she did wield tremendous power in her community. And the rumors of her magic ability were so persistent that people that visit her grave today still leave tokens. Again, I'll get into the, like the weird things that people do. But <laughs> her mother was married to a mulatto businessman named Charles Laveau. And Marie was the first generation in her family to be born free. The weird thing, though, is her mother went to her mother's house, Catherine's house. Yes. So Marie's grandmother, Catherine, lives in New Orleans. And I think Marie's mother lived somewhere else. Basically, she went home to see her mom, had her child, left her child with her grandmother, and went back to her marriage with this Charles guy. So Marie... Was it his baby? Yeah. But Marie was raised with her grandmother in New Orleans. Hmm. 
But it doesn't go into details as to why she did this. Why? I don't know. Maybe she was in a bad situation. Maybe she didn't trust her baby daddy to take care of a child. Yeah. I don't know. Didn't go into details. But she was raised by okay. her grandmother. Um, funny enough, her grandmother was not a free woman. She was uh, bought by another free woman of color. So I learned that it wasn't uncommon in the South for free people of color to own slaves. Mm-hmm. But the difference was, is like, they would buy them in order for these people to buy their freedoms. Oh, Okay. So they kind of did, you know, chores and stuff. And as they, you know, did these chores, they earned their freedom. Freedom. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually Catherine was able to buy her own freedom. She built her own small home and then in New Orleans. And then this is where Maria became famous. Um, She did have a very brief marriage to a part black, uh, devoted. And then after that, she was like, F this. I'm going to go with this white Louisiana man who was a noble Frenchman. Okay. And for 30 years, she just kind of had an interrelationship. Like, it never said that they were married, and it said it was forbidden by law to marry into interracial relationships. So even though they were together for 30 years, and she had... They were never allowed to marry? Yeah, and she had a daughter. Okay. They were never allowed to, like, marry Mary. Marriage is just a piece of paper anyways. It, especially nowadays. Um, <laughs> it's whatever your heart wants. Like it doesn't matter the color of your skin. Yeah. It doesn't matter anything. It's what your heart wants and what their heart wants. And if y'all are in love, bam, you're in love. Yeah, and if you're you don't need a piece of paper, yeah, you really don't. Unless like you want to do some ridiculous legal things, like that's the other thing it's good for. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. otherwise, just throw a huge party. Let everybody know I love this person. Yeah, they love me. Bam, call We're it a, a day. thing. Fuck you, laws. <laughs> No, don't say that. <laughs> All right. Marie was a devout Catholic. She decided that as she was growing up and learning about the voodoo ways that it didn't interfere and it wasn't incompatible. So she just found a way to mingle it into her Catholic faith. She learned a lot of different natural and herbal remedies and she wasn't discriminative against who she served. So she helped the rich, cool. and, she, rich and poor alike. Um, yeah. Of course, most of the times it was the rich people that could afford her private services, but yeah. she still took weekends or weeks at a time and she would visit prisoners. She would visit those, you know, that were sick. She helped hundreds of people during the yellow fever outbreak. Oh, wow. Like imagine doing that and never catching it. Or if she caught it, like it was very mild for her, but she helped out like thousands is what the report said. It didn't say how many. That's awesome. That's really cool. She was most well known for being a hairdresser for rich white ladies. Was he wrestling the dog? Yellowstone is on and my dog thinks he's a cowboy and (laughs) he likes to bark at the horses. I was wondering (laughs) what was going on. Yes, yes, that's what's what's happening. But. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, so as she was, as she was giving, I was like, "Man, what is Eric doing?" And then, why is the dog? Around? What is going on? <laughs> Chaos in the household. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my voodoo right there. A Leo? Just Leo. Okay. Yeah. He just... I don't know. I've never had a dog that watched TV and attacks the TV the way that he does. Never in my life. I have... I don't even know how to stop it. We have tried throwing things at him. We have tried giving him treats, like calling him. And when he comes and sits, give him a treat. Doesn't work. The only thing that works is putting him outside or putting him in his room. Or turning the TV off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or, or yeah, we could turn the TV off. Yes. That's funny. (sighs) I'm sorry. Anyways. No, you're good. Okay. (laughs) Um, So... Most of the times, uh, she would get a lot of the town gossip from these white women. And as they were getting their hair done, they would also tell her, like, some of their deepest, darkest, darkest secrets that she never oh. told anyone. Good for her. Like, imagine, like, having the whole town of New Orleans' secrets. Like, girl, you've got some fire if shit ever goes down. But yeah. that's the thing is most of those women and their families were scared because they thought of voodoo as like a devilish worship. Yeah. Like they didn't even consider the fact that she was fucking Catholic. No, they focused yeah. on, oh, she practices voodoo. Clearly she's in with Satan. So they never did anything to piss her off. Well, the smart. Right. She probably could curse you if she wanted to, but yeah, I don't. Like, she could probably still curse you if she wanted to. She probably could. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, even though she was sought after to get hair done, she was uh-huh. well known for her voodoo. Um, but she was also known for being very kind and helpful. Uh, again, to those that were lesser, like they didn't have money, they were poor, sick, whatever. Yeah. Um, I already mentioned that she had a front room. Uh, with altars that had candles, holy images, um, offerings. She would uh, lead weekly meetings for all. It didn't matter if you were black, white, mixed, Asian, Indian, whatever. Good for her. And then all she asked is that they dressed in white because that's a symbol of clean, like cleanliness. Clean. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, do your chants and singing and, you know, praising or whatever. And as you left, you left an offering either of, food or liquor for the spirits that you were praising for that week. She would also see individual clients. So like late at night, if they needed advice, a greedy yeah. bag, whatever. Um, and so people put a lot of respect and admiration. And of course, a little bit of fear into her works because they swore up and down that, you know, if you asked her for anything, like it would come true. So that winning the lottery, getting a lover, if you died, they would, you know, she would come and bless the grave or whatever. Like the people were. Yeah. Marie. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Okay. And then in her obituary in the New York Times, they claimed oh. that law lawyers, legislators, planters, and merchants of all came to pay their respects. Very cool. Like imagine having a funeral that big. Having that much of an influence over a town. She also participated in a thing. Let me pull it up. All right. So. See the, oh, continue. Uh, I was just going to point out that um, that's this is your whole story is based on what a lot of people who still practice witchcraft and voodoo 
a lot of them are Christians. And so they have, they feel like they have to practice in secret because people still to this day, like look down on it. Who are you to say that God's not giving people blessings that where they can help people through be for lack of a better word, magic or voodoo or positive energy. And it's just, I just, I I feel bad for them. Like a lot of that though. And it actually says that in here about the Catholic Druids and pagans. Um, I think a lot of it's just that fucking closed mindedness. One, two, a lot of times it would be one, one practice or one follower that would just be a oh. bad fucking apple, and boom, the whole religion's yeah. a, a a Satan worshiping ridiculousness. Yeah. But in reality, like they're just using the elements that are provided to them. Mm-hmm. They're worshiping the same fucking spirits, even though they don't go straight to God. And Maybe it just has a different name. Like, there you go. And that's the problem. Like, people are so, like, can be so closed minded and not see the bigger picture of what the practices are. I think it's awesome. Like, I think it's, I think it's phenomenal and it's great. Just like stories like this. Like, you said she helped millions of people. And back then, you know, race was a huge thing, especially in the South. Yes. Yeah. Like there was no mix of anything. It didn't matter. Yeah. And she saw right past that. Like what a lot of people still can't do today is just you see their heart. You don't see the color of their skin. Yeah. You don't see where what house they're living in. You see their heart and you see that they're trying and she like went out of her way to make everybody feel welcomed and not judged. And that is just that's Amazing. phenomenal. Okay. Yeah. Part of what Marie Laveau would do is she would attend gatherings on Congo Square on Sundays. Um, here she would sell her Grigiri bags, offer advice and service to the community, and of course take partake in the celebration. So the celebration, it talks about, you know, singing, performing spiritual celebrations. Uh, at times, they would mention conjuring the great serpent spirit, and it's becoming filled with the spirit of the loa. So, and then sometimes during these gatherings, she would wear her voodoo crown, which I could not find a picture of. I think that would be cool oh. as fuck to see, but I'll keep yeah. looking because I know in New Orleans they have like a voodoo museum. They might have that on display. Oh, okay. Even though the celebrations were weekly, there was only one night a year that the uh, that was super sacred to the Creoles who practice voodoo, and it's called Saint John's Eve. Like it's a feast of or a fest of John the Baptist, an observation of some the summer solstice or Midsummer's okay. Eve, which I also thought was really cool because WoW incorporates Midsummer's Eve during the summer solstice <laughs> in game, and I was like, ah, mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> You got um, some voodoo priests and priestesses making that wow game. So huh? good. It's so good. <laughs> keep it on. Like, keep doing it. Um, so even though this is like a big thing for the Creoles in New Orleans, it's actually acknowledged and celebrated amongst many cultures and religions, dating back to the uh the Celtic Struids and the pagans. So like this is a this just shows like though religions are different. They're all the same. 
They might read from different books, but come on, people, like, put it together. Doesn't matter who you, like, how yourself, or, like, practicing, just whatever works for you. But this is where the people who were very closed-minded, very just straight Catholicism or straight whatever religion, back then it was Catholic, but um, in an article in one of the local newspapers in 1869, it read, June is the time devoted to the voodoo worshippers to, to the celebration of their most sacred and therefore most revolting rites. The writer describes it as midnight dances, bathing, eating together, and it includes innocent pleasures. Less innocent pleasures. Sorry, that's that word. The way Hollywood depicts, you know, voodoo rituals is people dancing around naked to having orgies, like yeah. snakes everywhere, painted face black, mm -hmm. you know, bones and nose kind of thing. But really, it was just... Any other celebration, yeah, sure, they were eating and drinking and having fun, but it's like any other fucking party with a bonfire. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So, I don't know how you guys were celebrating, but okay. In other newspapers, I wrote this down, with a mix of racism and the natural tendency for, you know, disregarding anything but the religion that they're focused on, uh, they... Most of the times would describe Marie Laveau's ceremonies as occultish, drunken orgies, and then that's how she got her nickname, the Voodoo Queen. Because she usually led these weekly ongoings. She died in 81, at the almost 80, she was almost 80. Uh, she passed away peacefully in her home on St. Anne Street. Uh, they did demolish her house in 1907. Aww. I'm so sad. I was like, I'd love yeah. to go there. So, 1907, they demolished her house, but she had a, an extremely lavish funeral. Most of the townspeople came to mourn her, and it was said that after her passing, she was seen walking about the town. So, that's pretty cool. Pretty good residual yep. energy. Yeah. Of course, if you go on a New Orleans tour today, they'll still bring up the fact that Marie Laveau still walks the streets. They say that you can, if you're not paying attention, you'll see the spirit, her spirit walk by and not think anything of it. Because New Orleans is a pretty busy fucking place. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they also say that if you are in the cemetery, which you can't tour on your own anymore, but uh, you would see her, her spirit standing by her tomb. Oh. But it would be out of the corner of your eye. You know, it's never yeah. direct on you. And then before they locked the cemetery down, they had to because people were just going in there and vandalizing the shit out of it, like destroying That's, tombstones yeah. and destroying Ugh. coffins and graffitiing. So now you can visit the cemetery, but you I think it's a $20 entry fee. Okay. But they take you to all three of the big ones there, and you can yeah. also get like the three-day hop-on-hop-off tour, and that's part of the, the experience. Cool. Um, and if you have family, you can get like a visitor pass. You don't have to pay for it. But if you're going to actually res pay respects to your family, you can get a pass yeah. to go in and say hi or whatever. Yeah. Um, but before they locked it down, you will see that on Marie's tomb, it's covered in triple X's. Okay. And it's weird why there's three X's. I can't, like, I can't wrap my mind around it. But it says if you left one X on her tomb, turned around three times, knocked on the front of the tomb, and yelled out your wish or told her what you wished for, that she would grant it. 
And if your wish came true that you would have to return, put a circle around the X and then place some sort of offering to give thanks. So okay. if you go and visit it today, like a lot of those X's are still there, usually in triplicates. Yeah. Tri- triplicates? Triplet? Trip- There's three X's on the fucking thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but people would, bring, <laughs> people would bring anything from like Mardi Gras beads to, you know, a shot of whatever alcohol to fucking king cakes to pastries, flowers, what, whatever, you know, coins. Yeah. Whatever you want. Whatever they name could. it, They yeah. would put it, yeah. They also say that people who voice their disbelief of voodoo or talked, I guess, mad trash in the cemetery about how voodoo was, you know, occultish or whatever, that these people would report being pushed, scratched, or thrown to the ground anytime they got near her tomb. Oh, shit. So it could be... You know, people tripping over their own feet or just being scared, or it's really her being like, bitch, please. <laughs> I helped your great, 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 great grandmother yeah, out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Better bite your tongue. So, like, other than just being a generally good person, open to all, like, it didn't matter who you were, where you came from, if you were, like, legitimately seeking her help, she was willing to help you or cut your hair. Thank you, beautiful. And then I also read, right back to the gravestone thing, there's a restaurant across the street from the cemetery that uh-huh. sells, like, they sell pastries and stuff, specifically for, for yeah, <sighs> providing offers to her tomb. I don't That's know if, cool. Like, I don't know if you can still do that to date, like, when you're doing the guided tour. I don't know if you could, maybe you could, like, invisibly put an X but good luck going back. Like, that's a $40 ordeal just to have a wish granted, you know? Depending on how hard up you are. Might be worth the 40 bucks. Might be. But yeah, so, like, the articles that I read said that there's, like, a little shop across that you can buy things to gift decker. But I thought that was really cool. And then I started down a rabbit hole of chaos. And that's where we stopped. Mm-hmm. Because, oof, I'd be talking about New Orleans for four hours. <laughs> but it's so cool, like... Sometimes that is weird. That's a cool, cool story. You said what? Somebody what? I said sometimes I miss being there, like being close or just going downtown New Orleans just to walk around. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. It's a cool place to go walk around. Downtown is. Yeah. Bourbon Street, especially even when it's not Mardi Gras or chaos. Like, like even then it was pretty fun to just walk down at night. Yeah. Grab a couple of drinks. Listen to all the jazz bands. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's 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 cool. So that's my story, Marie Laveau. That's that's a good story. It was fun. That sounded fun. That sounded like it was a lot of fun. Though Grigri, that I had to Google how to pronounce that because I was calling it Gris Gris. Well, G G will be happy that you Googled. Yeah, how to say it. And in my four years uh, of living in New Orleans, I learned that E A U is O. Yes. So that wasn't hard to figure out. <laughs> no, no. That's like the what G A G E A U X Tigers. Yeah. Go Tigers. Go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I lived on Fremo Street, which was F R E M O U X or something. Like, how the fuck yeah. is that pronounced Fremo? Like, get out of here, New Orleans. Yeah. It's, Louisiana. I, I really feel like it's, you know, like the. 
the how the drug companies just pretty much smash the keyboard and they're like, this means Tylenol. <laughs> and it's like a two-page <laughs> word. And you're yes. like, how does that mean Tylenol? Explain this to me. But yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. That was a good story. Good for you. Thanks. Look at you. No murder or like, ghosts. Just food. I know, but it was good. Yes. It was yeah, can't get me pumped. My story, on the <laughs> other hand, is a shit show. Oh, good. Like, shit show? Uh, no, because you said you search-searched it, so not shit show I did because you didn't search it. it. Yeah. I did. It's not a surprise for all of us. It's okay. a surprise for all of you. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually... Uh, Wait. Let's see. Before you start this story... Okay. What is that? What is the thing you were supposed to pronounce for G? I couldn't find it. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it real quick. I have no idea either. I didn't even look it up because I couldn't find it. You and I talk so much. Yeah, we do. You sent it in a screenshot to I did. me. So yes. let me do this. This might be easier. Do you want me to just pull it up? I'll get it. Stop. No, I got it. Stop. No, don't. Oh, God. Uh. Okay. So, G, here's your tongue twister. It's Lufafel's Ludicrous Long Shots. Right? That, that sounds pretty, pretty good. Yeah, that was it. Like I don't know if you pronounce it properly, but that was that was the well. That's not how it's spelled. I think that's how you're supposed to say it because the last time you said, "If I ever saw this word, it was Lufafa or something like that," <laughs> but it's spelled Luftwaffles, ludicrous long shots. <laughs> I think you did good. We'll find out. Stay we'll find out until next week. Gee, let us know. <laughs> okay, so my story is actually about. Murder. Murder. Okay. Murder. And uh, it kind of, I was, you know how we do our Murder Mondays? Mm-hmm. So I was kind of looking at some stories and something popped up about children oh, murderers. No. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yes. Okay. So I'm actually going to do the story on Luke uh, Woodham. Wuham, Luke Wuham, he is actually the kid that essentially it was the first school shooting, big school shooting to ever hit the news. Okay. The first one. Yeah. So there have been many more, but this is supposedly the first one that we know about or. Okay. So. Buckle up, kids. Here we go. So Luke was 16. He was from Pearl, Mississippi. He had never been in trouble with police or at school. Uh, Although his early life doesn't really justify violence, Luke certainly didn't have an easy childhood or adolescence. And I'm guessing because he was 16 when this happened, that's all where we could stop. And I'm sure that his adulthood is well-managed. Um, <laughs> his, uh, his parents, Mary Ann and John split up when Luke was seven. 
Marianne, who was always very particular about her children's clothing and activities, became even more overbearing. Uh, Luke had an older brother named John, and John became uh, began staying away from home as much as possible because he couldn't stand his mother. So Mary Ann assigned more chores and was a lot harder on Luke because he was he had nowhere else to go. Uh, she micromanaged everything that he did, ate while they were home together. She was very verbally abusive, constantly calling him fat, saying he'll never amount to anything. Wow. And then when his big brother John was around, he would also pick on Luke. So it just kept piling on and piling on. Uh, With the absence of his father and his brother, Luke was left to really fend for himself and an abusive and emotionally needy mother. Although Luke resented the situation, he mostly tried to please his mother when he was younger and silently uh, protested against chores or meals as he got older, as typical teenagers do. I don't want to do that. Uh, He was awkward. He was a little overweight. Uh, He had very few friends. Uh, And his school experience wasn't any better. Marianne insisted that he wear thick glasses, unstylish clothes, and outdated hairstyle. Essentially, he would just be humiliated going to school. Uh, He would also have to give his mother, uh, or sorry, his mother also would drive him to school, making him kiss her cheek, which provoked a bunch of incest jokes. Yeah. Uh, and he finally one day essentially snapped and he could have seriously injured uh, one of his other fellow students, but he did get pulled off of him. And uh, so the kid wasn't like hurt or anything. Yeah, yeah. When he turned 15, a new girl came to town named Christina and they actually kind of got together boyfriend, girlfriend kind of thing going on. Uh, Christina was kind and seemed to appreciate Luke's gentle manners. They went on three dates over the course of a month, but uh, Luke's mother always tagged along something that Christina's family noticed and thought that that it was really odd. Mary Ann even supervised the couple once while they sat on the couch and watched TV. Christina broke off the relationship, confiding to her friend that Luke had gotten too controlling and that she found it embarrassing to have his mother present during all of the dates. The breakup devastated Luke. Of course Devastated. Yeah. Poor kid. Like, Can't catch what a break. the fuck, mom? Like, calm the fuck down. Are you going to be like this when I'm 30? Get out of here. Like, get off my nuts. Yeah. I would have snapped on my mother. I would have got beat to a pulp, but. (laughs) Like, I'm a peacock mob. Let me fly. Let me fly, mom. Just let me go. Let me go. Look at this. Look at what you have done to me. We're just going to get food. It's going to be okay. Uh, Anyways. In the early 1997, uh, Luke began working at Domino's. As a pizza delivery boy. So he had something going for him there. Nice. Uh, he, his boss said he was a great worker. He was praised and courteous. Uh, he also made a friend. His name was Donald Brooks. Donald Brooks invited him to participate in a role-playing game group to which he had belonged. So he kind of was like, hey, we're a bunch of misfits. Come join us. 
They called themselves Koth. Okay. So was the name of their group. Role-playing game, yeah. Group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was led by an older teenager named Grant Boyette. The boys were capable students who all came a- across as good Christian. Two important attributes that were accepted in Pearl, Mississippi, Bible Belt. You know, got to have to be the Christian. Grant was especially considered devout, attractive, and charismatic, but he actually had a dual identity. When with his friends, he was fixated on Hitler, Satan, and spell books. With Luke, he cast spells on his enemies. Luke believed that Grant had special powers and paired form and the pair, sorry, the pair, Luke and Grant formed a close re- relationship as friends. Koth must have started escalating because there were signs of violence, but only Donald did I- anything about it. And it didn't really go into detail, like what kind of violence. Uh, out of all of the websites that I went to, there was a lot of conflicting. It, they're thinking it was like they were killing animals type yeah, thing. Yeah. So, but it didn't actually tell me so i can't say that for sure uh teachers neighbors and fellow students among those who may have seen seen indicators of disturbed teen luke wrote several suspicious in-class essays one stating that he would go on a killing spree if he could be a teacher one day i did find this paper and so i'm gonna read you the snippet that i found so the uh essay you had to write an essay if you could be a teacher for one day what would you do or something like that so he put if i could spend the day as miss neal which who his teacher was i would be very very nice to luke woodham uh and pass him for the year then i would knock the crud out of the ominous dork for putting junk on my computer then i would go crazy and kill all of the other teachers then I would slowly and very painfully torture all all the principals to death. Then I would withdraw all of my money in the bank and give it to Luke. Then I would get all of the other teachers and principals' bank account numbers, withdraw all the money, and give it to Luke. Then I would do acid. Then I would get a gun and blow my brains out all over the doggone room and leave my house to Luke. What is <laughs> Fuck. Are you ready for this? I would do the teacher acid. did not report these Why wouldn't disturbing you report that? pieces of writing. Why? Why would you not report that? Oh, he's just being a outspoken boy. Like he didn't mean it. He wrote it in the fucking weird third person from another person view. What? what? Yeah. It's telling you something something had snapped upstairs uh other school officials doubtless witnessed some of the bullying that continued to plague luke luke still other events leading up to the school shooting should have drawn some attention because apparently the essay was not enough in the year between his breakup with christina and the school shooting luke twice threatened to commit suicide each time a classmate stopped him but it is unclear if either of the students reported the incident to an adult. That I can understand. You know, yeah. you don't want your friend to get in trouble. 
that kind of thing. But a teacher reading this, I mean, flags should have gone up. Especially how detailed it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like painfully torturing the principals. Like, wait, what? That's oh, yeah. not a red flag. Yeah. Oh, and then let me just finish off my killing spree with acid and a gun to my head. <laughs> oh, and leave and, my house to yeah, Luke. And Luke can have everything. <laughs> Here you go, Luke. Because he's my favorite student. Okay. So on October 1st, 1997, Luke's alarm clock went off at 5 a.m. And his violent plan began. He snuck down to the kitchen, got a butcher's knife, retrieved a baseball bat from his room, and walked towards his mother's bedroom. He had planned to kill Mary Ann while she slept, but she was in the hallway about to go for a jog. The attack began there in the hallway and ended in her bedroom, where Luke forced his way in, stabbed and bludgeoned his mother repeatedly, finally suffocating her with a pillow, and then cleaned both himself in the scene up. In a taped interview with police, Luke said that he had stopped caring about anything the night before the murders. He lied into his confession, saying that he had brought the butcher knife to his mother's bedroom, put the pillow over her head, and stabbed her to death. The court In the court, he also asserted that demons spoke to him that morning and that he remembered getting the knife in the pillow, but not the actual murder. He bounced back a lot is from what, and that was consistent through everything that I read. He would say one thing and, oh, no, no, this is what I mean. Oh, this is what happened. Yeah. Um, so, and now we continue. Operating under the assumption that he would die in a shootout with the police, Luke wrote his last will and testament, which the media later labeled his manifesto. Called Grant, he retrieved a, a hunting rifle from the attic and drove himself in his mother's car to the high school. Luke arrived around 8 p.m., just when the students were milling around the common rooms, uh, common areas before class. He found his friend Justin and handed him the notebook, which included his will or manifesto, and instructed Justin to pass this along to Grant. And this is what it stated. I found two different versions of this, and so I'm going to read both of them just because it's really, it's kind of short. Uh, so the first one I found, it says, I'm not insane. I'm not, I'm angry. I'm sorry. I'm not insane. I am angry. I kill because people like me are mistreated every day. I did this to show society push us. We push back all throughout my life. I was ridiculed, always beaten, always hated. Can you society truly blame me for what I do? Yes, you will. It's not a cry for attention. It was not a cry for help. This was a scream in sheer agony, saying that if you can't pry your eyes open, if you can't do it through passism, if I can't show you through displaying of intelligence, then I will do it with a bullet. So that they said that that was a snippet, but then I found the actual what it said. Mm -hmm. So what he actually wrote is, I'm not insane. I'm angry. This world has shit on me for the final time, and I'm not spoiled or lazy, for murder is not weak and slow-witted. Murder is gusty and daring. I killed people. I killed because people like me are mistreated every day. I did not, uh, I did this to show society, push us, we will push back. I suffered all my life. No one 
ever truly loved me. No one ever truly cared about me. Uh, I only loved one thing in my whole life, and that was Christina, but she was torn away from me. I tried to save myself for her, but she never cared. As it turns out, she made fun of me behind my back the whole time we were together. All throughout my life, I was ridiculed, always beaten, always hated. Uh, can you blame me? I don't want to reread all that. But I shall tell you one thing. I am malicious because I am miserable. The world has beaten me. Wednesday 1, 97 shall go down in history as the day I fought back. At this time, Grant, say what you will. When you are through, I ask you to read them. Oh, wait. Hold on. Nope. J- JK. That's uh, something else. Anyways, he ends with, Grant, I'll see you in the holding cell. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Justin guessed what was about to happen and herded some of his close friends into the safety of a library. Luke retrieved his rifle from the car, placed it under his trench coat, and returned to the common areas. He walked directly to Christina and shot her and her friend Lydia, killing both of them. Luke then, and calmly, turned and shot and injured seven other students. Due to his poor eyesight and inexperience with a gun, it likely saved many others from harm. After an 11-minute rampage, Luke was uh, tackled by another boy, then fled to the parking lot. The assistant principal, Joel Myrick, went to his car, retrieved his gun from the glove box, and prevented Luke from driving away and held him there until the police arrived. I did find what was said. So the assistant principal said, don't move or I'll blow your head off. He yelled at Luke, whose glasses now sat crooked on his face. As Myrick approached the car, he noticed how Luke's breathing was uh, exaggerated as if he were about to explode. His rifle sat in the seat beside him. While still aiming the pistol at the teenager, Myrick ordered him to get on the ground as Luke lay there. Myrick asked him, why are you killing my kids? Uh, Luke responded, the world has wronged me and I couldn't take it anymore. Myrick said, wait until you get to the penitentiary, boy. When officers were bringing Luke to the police station, they noticed he had a bandage on his hand. The, uh, Luke said his injuries were occurred while killing his mother. So the police were like, excuse me? Uh, uh, sit. <laughs> Say again? <laughs> so they sent cars to her home straight away to discover her body. Luke was charged with three counts of murder and seven counts of aggravated assault. He waived his right to camp counsel, wrote a confession, and agreed to be videotaped for the interview. Uh, and there is a 17-minute videotape, and I'm going to post the link on our website. So if you want to watch it, you can. Um, he confessed to killing his mother in a calm, straightforward voice. However, when he spoke of the, his motives, that she never loved him and various things he had to endure from her and insisted on his sanity, he became emotional. He accurately detailed uh, what he had done from the time he left the house until the time he was arrested, recalling whom he shot and how he was arrested. So when they took a man, Luke first began to explain the death of his mother, saying he had placed a pillow over her head and stabbed her to death. And he was going through that, and he kept saying she never loved me, which is why I killed her. 
She always told me I wouldn't amount to anything. She always told me I was fat, stupid, and lazy. He also said through sniffles, the smarter I got, the more she hated me. Uh, but then moments later, Luke would seem ex- would seemingly express regret for what he had done, saying, I didn't want to kill my mother. I do love her. It's just I wanted revenge on Christina. Kid was yeah. all over the place. <laughs> he uh, told investigators later that the only way he could think of getting a gun to school was to kill his mother and steal her car. When they asked why he didn't simply tie her up, Luke stated that idea had not crossed his mind. Okay. <laughs> he was out yes. for blood. The demons told he him. Was. He was definitely out for blood. So um, Luke was actually tried twice, first for the murder of his mother, then for the school shooting. Each case was heard in a county court in an effort to obtain an unbiased jury. Experts for the defense diagnosed Luke with borderline personality disorder. Experts for the prosecution insisted he was mentally capable of standing trial. During the first trial, in which it ended on June 6, 1998, the jury rejected Luke's insanity defense and found him guilty of first-degree murder. This trial was very dramatic. Uh, with Luke, with Luke openly weeping, and then the power failing, the jury gave their decision in the dark. Mm. Luke accepted his sentence as God's will, and by the start of the second trial, the following Monday, he appeared with a Bible in hand and claimed to be a religious conversion. Doesn't <laughs> work that way, kid. Sorry. Yeah. So- sorry, dude. Uh, Luke's attorney and. His own testimony portrayed him as a victim of influential of Grant, but Luke was still given a life sentence for each of the two murders, plus 20 years for each of the seven counts of aggravated assault. He again apologized to the families of those he had hurt, but said he had no more tears because God had forgiven him. Luke is currently serving out his uh, sentence in Mississippi State Penitentiary, He said, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Uh, I think everyone deserves to know what happened, especially those whose sisters, daughters were sent to school that day and didn't come back. Nothing can justify the taking of these two lives, is what he said. Less, Less than three days after conviction, Luke was removed from Forest County Jail uh, June 1598, he went to Mississippi uh, Department of Corrections, um, and then they moved him to Mississippi State Penitentiary. Yeah. So, in total, Luke is currently serving three life terms, plus an additional 140 years. He will be eligible for parole in 2046, when he is 65 years old. As for the other six, five six boys uh the district attorney dropped charges against five of those boys who were arrested in conjunction with the case the sixth boy was tried in juvenile court and his records were sealed on october of 98 grant and justin were charged as accessories to murder before the fact which is a serious felony justin was freed but grant who had gotten so much attention during the trial accepted a plea bargain from the district attorney He pled guilty to a lesser charge. I think it was interfering with the principal's ability to perform his duties. 
and was sentenced to six months of prison of a prison-based boot camp, followed by five years of either prison or supervised probation. And then to just wrap all of this up in a nice little bow for you. In 2010, Luke made a request to the governor of Mississippi, Haley Burbo, asking for clemency. However, the request was rejected. Yeah, as it should be. In 2003, Justin pled guilty to a federal charge of having purchased an illegal an untraceable machine gun. At his sentencing, Judge Bourbon uh, addressed Justin's involvement in the Pearl High School shooting, saying, it's pretty stupid to go out there and play with an automatic weapon after being put on the spotlight. I think we're dealing with a brilliant mind. I hope we're not dealing with a sick Hannibal Lecter. What the fuck? Yeah. So as of right now, the last they heard, Justin is a prominent member of the Academy religious community and runs a YouTube channel. Oh, you should look that up. I have it, and I was going to look it up. I ran out of time, but I will post it on our website. So if y'all want to. He's got his own YouTube channel. (laughs) He's got his own YouTube channel. That's fantastic. So that is the the thing with Grant, where is he right now? He's free. Uh, I I think he's free. I think he did the five years of supervised probation. I don't think he did any kind of, yeah. So, because he didn't actually pull the trigger or anything like that. So how did he get wrapped up in being part of this? Just because they were friends? Well, they said that Grant was like the ringleader. Yeah, but I don't think he told old boy Luke to go fucking shoot up a school either. A lot of the stuff that I did not read had to do with the fact that they thought that uh, their little group was actually a cult, a satanic cult, due to the animal sacrifices, the books that they found, how uh, Luke thought Grant had magical powers. So they they think that at some somehow some way, Luke just went hook, line, and sinker into that, and just thought Elite that was his only way system. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. I'm gonna have to kill everybody to make my point. So, and then he turned into a Christian. Yeah, after he got fucking sentenced for murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. Like. I, one, find it very interesting that we both stuck, like, next to each other in our stories. hmm Yep, I was right next door. Yep. It's gone. What well, I, was I mean, say. both our, I mean, we were right next door to each other, and both of our stories kind of, I left the satanic part out of it because there wasn't a lot of proof. Yeah. But, I mean, that's kind of how the other kids got involved, so I did put a little bit in there. I just didn't focus on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, not only that, but that doesn't seem to be the primary motivation for yeah his psychoness. Yeah. But at the same time, like, was that story the same one that they tried to incorporate in the American Horror Story? I have not watched the American Horror Stories because I was told there were clowns, and I just wasn't going to put myself in that situation. 
Okay, well, the first season isn't clowns. It is terrifying as fuck. Like, oh. I was so intrigued. I couldn't get into the second season. Like, it just started terrible. But from there, I don't, like, I don't know what season has clowns, but the first one isn't. Oh. I, I mean, it could be because it is the first one. Um, that's what I found very fascinating about this one is this is kind of the one that, I hate to say this, but I'm going to. This is the one that made the papers. And I feel that the media saw how much attention it got and they felt like they needed to do the same thing with all any and all other school shootings. School shootings yeah. mm-hmm. So um, it's yeah. a sad ordeal. It's a it's. It's a preventable ordeal. Yeah. Like. Mm hmm. I'm not saying kids couldn't go to school and like, stab their best friend to death, but it they would be friends a lot. Friends don't stab friends. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be, well, not only that, but how did he know there was a fucking rifle in the attic? Like, did he go up there and play around on his days off? I'm sure that that was probably something. It's a hunting rifle, so I'm guessing that. The dad may have left it up there and or the brother or maybe brother. You know, it's not like it was directly in reach. Yeah. And I'm sure that if I mean, he literally said he had to kill his mother so he could take the car and get the gun. So maybe she had it in the attic just as a home security thing. I, I mean, I don't know. Not easily accessible, but still where if she had to, she could. Yeah. Get up to the attic and get it. That Those are kind of the only things that I could think of. I mean, it's not like our guns that are just laying on our nightstand. Yeah. But we don't have kids either. So. Yeah, yeah. And when kids do come over, we do put our guns, we lock them up in the gun safe. So, we, I mean, it's just kind of one of those things where you have to, you have to use your best judgment. And this is what kind of like really upsets me because – this is where, oh, the guns kill people. You need to ban guns. Well, yeah, this particular kid found a hunting rifle and used it. But guess what? There was another gun involved that kept him from going to the junior high and shooting up the junior high because that's where he was going next. So it's really, it's, guns don't kill people. People with mental issues that, or people that feel like they're backed into a corner and have no way out or people who are extremely angry or have some kind of mental, you know, and they get a gun in their hand, that's what's dangerous. People who don't know what they're doing with a gun, that's when it becomes dangerous. have that intent to kill. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, that's all they're focused on is how many people can I fucking kill to prove a point. Mm -hmm. And whatever that point is, yeah. So, it's a... It's just sad. It's it's sad because so many children's lives were changed that day. So many children's lives were gone that day. You know, it wasn't just the two girls, but Justin's life was over and he was 16. Yeah. And Grant and Luke's like, yeah, all because they were friends and somehow like whatever. But yeah. Can we talk about the fact that now we're derailing, but the fact that it took schools 
so fucking long to put safety measures in place. Like, it clearly wasn't, right. this wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Columbine clearly wasn't enough. Yeah. Like it took- Well, I think it has to do with how slow everything moves in the government. Because it's all paperwork and everything has to get approved and people have to vote on it. And it takes forever. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's for a lack of trying. It just takes forever. And our system is clearly broken that way. Like, how many years has it been since um, there have got to be some there's got to be some kind of change yeah. to be able to push stuff like this to protect kids, especially kids like kids are innocent. Well, except for this kid, this kid killed kids. other kids, but psycho kids are not innocent. But I mean, you don't really the flags were there. Yeah. The teacher should have said, hey, this kid's got some issues. Miss, I mean, and even if he had, she had talked to the mom and granted, he probably would have even got more angry because mom's psycho crazy, but maybe the teacher could have talked to the mom, realized, oh, this is not a good situation all the way around, and then tried to get authorities involved to help both of them, you know, maybe mom needed, (laughs) yeah. Exactly. Maybe mom needed some counseling just to get through her issues. And then that would have made it better for Luke, who in return could have also gotten counseling for his anger issues. And then none of this would have happened. It's crazy. It's a crazy story. And the fact that he targeted his first girlfriend, like straight up, Mm -hmm. like that was other than his mother. Mm -hmm. Mom was first, girlfriend was second. And, like, I don't know, it almost sounds like the mother wasn't, in. well, it was intentional because he was going to kill her in her sleep. Yeah. Yep. Never mind. Yeah, he 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 planned to kill mom because he, he had to get the car and the gun. Like, you didn't even have to kill your mom, just fucking lock her in her own room. Like, easy, done, get the gun, get the car. Oh, but mom would have called yeah. the cops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if he tied her. Gagged and tied her. She'd mm-hmm. still be there today. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, by the way. Oh, could you right, imagine, Mom. though, those cops driving this kid and just thinking what the cops are thinking? You know, man, this kid just shot up like his life is over and they read him his rights. And he's like, I, I'll talk to you. And they noticed, like, hey, what happened to your hand? Oh, yeah, I killed my mom this morning. Yep, yep. Like, just nonchalantly, yeah, yeah, that happened when I killed my mom. So, what what, what do you need to know? <laughs> what do you need me to tell Dispatch, you? Dispatch. <laughs> <laughs> Hold, oh, please. God. Dispatch, we're going to need you to go to this house. Wow, what a crazy murder story. Ugh. I think what is so creepy and weird and just a complete shit show is that it's a kid. Yeah. It is a kid. And it is a kid who got bullied and had not a very good home life. (sighs) Because his mother had control over the whole fucking situation. Yeah. Like, what fucking parent? goes on dates with their children 
I can tell you those type of parents, but we're not going to get, that's another topic. For another <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast episode. <laughs> but seriously, like I would have been fucking mortified if my mother chaperoned every fucking date I went on. Like I can understand. They're young. Okay. Well, I mean, they're really not that, you know, if they were like 13, 14, I can understand driving them to a restaurant, letting them get their own table, go sit at another table, like away from them. Let them or have their little date. Go fucking sit in your car. Go yeah. drive around the or block. What are they going to do car? at a restaurant? Nothing. Go shopping. Even like go food. get an errand done. Yes. Something. But if you really need to be in the restaurant, go sit somewhere else where you're not like right there with them watching them eat their food you know you're giving them their privacy but at by the time 15 16 if you can drive like let them go it's gonna be we were all teenagers at one point what happened to her in her teenage years where she wouldn't let her son go by himself on three dates fuck it was probably because you know she got pulled over coming back home from bowling one night (laughs) <laughs> and her best friends drove off and left her with four other people. It happened one time. <laughs> I'm scarred. Life for life. That'll be a fucking story I'll remember in my 80s, okay? And Scooby-Doo had a curfew yes. and we were Let's pushing- talk about psycho parents. <laughs> Scooby-Doo had a curfew and we made the curfew though. I'm glad you guys did because like, I clearly had the cops entertained. Appreciate it. You're welcome. (laughs) Way to take one for the team, Sarah. (laughs) I just, that cop did not believe my story. Like, he did not believe the story. So he pulled each individual person out of the car and spoke to them for, like, ten minutes each. Like, what in the actual fuck? And then I even told him, I was like, Sir, we were with the three other people. Like, they had to go. His, like, Scooby-Doo had a curfew. Okay, I'm still going to need to interview everybody in your car. All right, bro. We were gone. Yeah, gone. <laughs> like, I think you saw the lights come on and you left-hand turned anyway. Like, fuck stopping. I would have bailed you out somehow. We would have figured something out. Yes. You weren't going to jail. It, if it had been me pulled over, I probably would have went to jail. Y'all were fine. If Scooby-Doo would not have made it home by his curfew, all of us would not be alive right now. No, so, we wouldn't. Yeah, this is, this is true. Who really saved who? Come on. Either that or we would have been chaperoned on every fucking event we were on. <laughs> anyway. Oh, good times, good times. Well, those were fun. Those were fun stories. Well, sad. Yeah. Yours was sad. Mine was sad. Yours was really cool, though. Yeah. I like it just that. makes me want to come back to New Orleans and go visit the Voodoo Museum. Go learn some voodoo. Help us all out. Uh, no. Go, go be the next voodoo queen. Ooh. Did it say who the, I mean, once she passed away, was there a new voodoo queen? It said that her daughter, Marie II, um, tried to follow in her footsteps, but she wasn't as charismatic or about the uh, people as her mother was. 
She yeah. did thrive in hairdressing, though. So she did pick up oh, that skill from her okay. mother and was still sought out by the locals for hairdressing. Okay. But she just well, wasn't as charismatic as her mother. Okay. Yeah. Evidently, she couldn't keep secrets, I guess. Uh, yeah. yeah, that would. Yeah. Uh, yeah, people come to you with secrets. You need to. You got to keep those damn things. Take them to your grave. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like your mama did. That way you can get little baguettes and fucking beignets and shit. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> so what would happen if you're like on the tour and you just left a shot for her just because? I don't know. You know, just. Since you wouldn't be able to put that X or a circle around it. Yeah, I don't know. You would probably just, just be like, hey, Marie, just stopping by to say hi. Hoping things in the realm are, go- yeah, are going well. Cheers to you. Pink, and then set it down. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You can throw a little good juju out there just in case. Yeah, just in case. Never know. You never know. Payment for services that I don't know that I need yet. So here you go. Rest in peace, ma'am. That's cool. Oh, I did find out something weird about that fucking cemetery, though. And I should have known this. Like, I should have known this when I was reading about it. But if they have one of those coffin things Uh with multiple layers, like families will buy out the whole plot or whatever, the whole building. After a year and one day, if the body isn't removed to be, like, cremated or something, they just shove it to the back and put a new body in. Girl. What? Yes. So you can only buy that for a year and one day? No, no, no. Like, you own the the structure. Uh Uh-huh. But if your bones and your remains aren't removed, they'll just cram you to the back and put the new body in. Like a family member? Yeah. Yep. If you've bought that structure and you can't afford to remove the remains or cremate them or whatever you do with the remains afterwards. Yes. So you're telling me that in those structures... There could be, like, a whole family in one box? Yes. Now, that's what I read see, today. But See, this is why <laughs> I have made it very clear to everybody that loves me. Do not put me in a fucking box. Yeah, just make me a tree. Cremate me. Yep. Mm-hmm. Paperweight. I'll even be a nice paperweight. Whatever it is you want to do with the ashes, I don't give a fuck. Sabrina loves the ocean. Throw her ass in the ocean. Literally. There you go. Yeah. Whatever you got to do, do not put me. You put me in a box. I'm coming back and I'm on your ass until you dig me up and you cremate me. Do not put my ass in a box. I don't want to be worm food. I don't want spiders crawling on me. I don't want to. I don't want to be the decomposed stinky body. Well, if you Just, make yourself a tree, you'll be eaten by worms. Well, but I'm also bringing life. This is true. So. If they want to make me into a tree, that's fine. I don't I don't care. I'll be dead. I'll be with Jesus. We're going to be partying. I want to be a fruit tree. What kind of fruit? I'll think about it. Something bitter. Limits. I was thinking Nailed limes. It. Limes works too. Look at, look at, <laughs> look at that. Tequila shots. 
We will still be partying I like it. after your death. Beautiful. There you go. Anyway. Well, this was fun. Oh, These were fun stories. Fun. Uh, I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners. Our little dot map is freaking glowing like a Christmas tree right now. And I am just so pumped. Like our Instagram is getting love. Our Facebook could use a little help with some love, but our Instagram is like popping off like crazy. So we so appreciate y'all interacting and uh, following us on Instagram and Facebook and uh, liking our podcast. It's, it's it's awesome. It's fun. And we haven't even so, hit a year yet. I know. We're already over a thousand downloads. I mean, y'all are just freaking awesome. I don't care what anybody says about you. We love you. Phenomenal. Uh, <sighs> Other dot coms of interest are Patreon, of course, and Discord. Mm-hmm. Post a lot of different things in both. So sneak snippets in on Patreon. Um, once we get a little bit more love there, we can start doing Q and A's and live discussions and whatever else. Um, yeah. Discord, we share photos, news articles, fun things about gaming, share episodes that have been released. You can basically listen anywhere. The episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I had something else. It's also gone. My brain not working today. It's okay. It's all right. I got you. I'm the solid one today. You're, you're, you're scattered brain. I'm solid. So it works out perfectly. I love it. it. So we got balance. Um, we got balance. If you guys want, share crazy stories, things you want us to talk about, things you don't want us to talk about, but think are cool. Uh, ghost stories, murder, murder stories that you find interesting. Hopefully not personal murder stories. Um, haunting. Although it would be kind of cool. I'm just saying, don't go out and murder somebody so you can tell us a story, but yeah, yeah. like that would definitely get shared. Um, <laughs> with the proper authorities. <laughs> Hell, you can even tell us about your favorite video games and why we'll have an episode on video yeah. games if you want. If you agree that gaming is an addiction, <laughs> share that with us. I'll probably go high and right in a tantrum, but Everybody's entitled to an opinion. Yeah, yeah. We love it. Uh, Until next time. Until the next time.